welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, Awaken. Today we'll be... I'm just kidding. How's everybody doing? You guys doing all right? Okay, great. If you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 4 is where we will be. Um, put a rug up here. I'm not sure that was a very good idea. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, that's page two. We're going to want page one. There we go. So I was going to say something about, you know, we're in new space, restrooms are that way, kids are down there, but it seems like everybody's getting that, so that doesn't make sense to keep announcing. <laughs> so I'll stop today. This will be the last time. Hebrews chapter 4. Can I start over? Can I start over? <laughs> hey, everybody. How's it? How you doing? Are you okay? All right. Okay. Hebrews chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, that's great. Um, most of the time when you study the Bible or you're, you're, uh, you go to a church and you maybe like study a book of the Bible, you tend to go forward, which is to say, you know, we read left to right, top to bottom, the numbers get bigger. I live with four women. Just because I saw hair. The numbers get bigger as you go, so you go forward in, in the text. But today we're actually going to go backwards. Uh, I have found that there are times as a preacher and teacher where I leave on a Sunday and I think, yeah, nailed it. Or... Uh, that happens once in a great while. But where you leave and you're like, you're, 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 I'm excited or satisfied. Like what happened in my head the whole week then happened on Sunday morning and you walk away and you're like, yeah, okay, I think we covered what, what I hope to cover. And then there are other times when, when, when I walk away and it's like, that did not go as well in real time as it did in my head. It happens often. Or sometimes uh, I leave and I think there's just more there. I, wanna, I, want, more, I want to say more about something. And uh, that, that happened to me two weeks ago when we, when we were in Hebrews 4, and I left thinking both of those things. One, uh, that didn't go as well as it did in my head, and two, I just felt like there was more there. So we're going to go backwards today because I, we can do that, because I guess I just choose, I decide and we do. So we're going backwards, and partly because of my reflections on that day, but then also I was listening to this podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was just absolutely inspired by it. It was one of those ones, if you're a podcaster, where you're driving and you almost pull the car over to the side of the road to get it all, uh, and I was just floored by it. And as I was listening, I thought, that's it! That's what was missing that day! Uh, and it was the why question. Why is Sabbath important? I felt like it was informative, like what we talked about, and it was, you know, informational, but I, I, I'm, I'm about inspiration. I'm about, you know, I'm kind of an emotional fella. And so it was like, that's, that's the piece that was missing. So I want to offer two thoughts this morning. One is mostly my idea. One is informed greatly by this podcast that I listen to. Uh, so giving credit where credit is due. But I, want, I hope that these ideas sort of come crashing together. Uh, I once heard someone talk about, um, they used to build these cathedrals to point people to God. So when you saw the structure, you were um, filled with, with awe and reverence uh, about who God is. And I once heard somebody say that preachers uh, build, build, they build cathedrals of words. So that's what I, I want to try to do today. I want to try to do something that's inspiring and beautiful. And I recognize that I've set the bar high on myself, but that's okay. Are you ready? So we're going backwards. Hebrews chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn there. And if you would, stand please for the reading of Scripture. Starting in verse 9 of chapter 4. 
there remains than a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Pray with me. God, we uh, come to you this morning with uh, all sorts of feelings, emotions, uh, places that we've come from, situations, relationships, work. Um, God, it's all here. And here we are. And here you are. So I pray that as we gather, as we turn our attention to the scriptures, that the living word of God, which was most fully seen in Jesus, would come up off of these page, pages and would speak to us. God, I ask that you would use these words and that you would make them yours. And in doing so, God, that they would be the words of God for us today. I pray this in the name of Jesus, in whom your spirit raised from the dead. And all God's people said, Amen. You can have a seat. So, this is an all play. That means if you have an answer, you can shout it out. Um, What are some of the things or phrases, some of the things that we know about time or phrases that we have heard about time? So, anything that you've heard about time, just shout it out. Say it again. Time flies. Time marches on. Time is money. Time is contagious. I had not heard that one. I like it. What? We're singing down here. Get through a microphone. Time, yes. Time to go to church. Time what? Time to eat. Time, time, time. Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> what a terrible song that was. He went from like mainstream to country. Not too, people, not too many people do that, make that move, do they? I think T. Swizzle went from country to mainstream, right? T. Swizzle. Uh, we listen to a lot of Taylor Swift at home, guys. I'll be honest. I'm... So time. Time's an interesting thing. And the first idea that I want to explore this morning uh, is connected to time, and I would say it this way. Sabbath, Shabbat, rest, what the writer of Hebrews is talking about, it reminds us that time and life is sacred. So Shabbat, this thing that's being talked about, it reminds us that your life, our life, time is sacred. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. In the beginning of the Bible, says this, And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. So in the beginning, the Bible opens, and on day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars are created. And it says that these sun, moon, and stars, will mark the sacred times, days, and years. So the lights, the sun, the moon, and the stars, they mark time. They help us determine what time is. When the sun goes up, the sun goes down, so on and so forth. And they mark these sacred times and days and years. And in the the Hebrew, the word is moadim, and it means appointed times or place or meeting. So that which governs and creates time is the means by which we mark sacred seasons in Scripture. Now, in the whole creation story, there is only one thing that is called holy. 
in all of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, in the entire creation story, only one thing is called holy, and that thing happens to be, the word holy is kadosh, and it, it, the only thing that's called holy is time. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says that God set the seventh day aside and called it kadosh, holy. So we have the sun and the moon and the stars are created, they mark time, and then the only thing that's called holy in all of the creation story is time itself, the seventh day, Shabbat. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus 23, and if you've ever read the Bible or tried to read the Bible, Leviticus is a really fun stop along the way. It's quite interesting, terribly divorced from anything that we would call like everyday life, but it is terribly important. It says this in verse 1, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed festivals. So he's telling them all the festivals that the, that the Jewish people would celebrate. The appointed festivals, and this is the same word, moadim, that's used, the, the, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you work, but the seventh day is a day of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. Now, if you break that down in the actual language, moadim and kadosh show up in, Je- in Leviticus chapter tw- 23. And I want to suggest that there is a way of inhabiting time and space where we recognize it as sacred and holy. There's a way to live our lives where we recognize it as it is, sacred and holy. And, of course, there's the possibility that we don't recognize that. This is Jacob when he, when he wakes up from the dream and he says, Surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. Have you ever had one of those experiences where you, you, some, something happens to you and then all of a sudden it dawns on you that it is drenched in the sacred? It is drenched with God's presence and, and, and you became aware to it in a moment. So there's a possibility of living our lives in such a way that we recognize it as sacred and holy and there's also the possibility that we live our lives completely void of that reality and completely not in tune with it. I, was, uh, I had the, the privilege and the pleasure to... Uh, study with uh, a rabbi. I've shared a lot about Rabbi Allen before. But So our group, this little group of 12 of us, we typically, we're group two, and we study on Sunday and Mondays when Rabbi Allen's in town. He's from Boston. So he comes in, flies into town. Our group gets together. There's also a group one that studies on Friday and Saturday. Well, one particular summer, it happened that we had to do some swapping and switching, and so people were invited. If you want to study with group one, you can switch, and if you want to study with group two, you can switch, and Laura and I needed to. So we did. Well, we came to find out that we have been getting the short end of the stick the whole time with Rabbi Allen. Unbeknownst to us, they studied on Friday and Saturday, which traditionally is the beginning of Shabbat for the Jewish people. So they would study. It was wonderful, beautiful, similar to what we would do. And then they would all sit down at the table and they would have this kind of traditional Shabbat dinner. And there were blessings and prayers and lighting of candles. It was beautiful. I'd never experienced anything like this before in my life. So we show up randomly to group one, we study, and then we sit down and we're like, hang on here, you guys do this every time you get together? It was amazing, it was beautiful, just filled with all kinds of beauty and richness. And then we studied on Saturday, and at the end of Shabbat, there's a celebration, a little, a little thing that you do, and it's called Havdalah. And Havdalah means separation or to separate. And Havdalah, you pass around three things, or you don't pass around, you pass, you light candles, there's a blessing over light, and we discuss, like, where have you seen the light of God in someone else? 
we, uh, we, we blessed the wine and we said, what has been intoxicating for you in this time of study? What's just been, you know, intoxicating? And then we passed around spices and we, we talked about what, what's one thing that you want to linger as a part of this? And each of these blessings were, were sort of uh, connected with rabbi leading us in song. And, you know, if you can imagine this group of people, many of us not Jewish, uh, one who is, and, you know, la, 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 and we're singing, and wine's, you know, it was just amazing. It was awesome. I loved it. Couldn't pay for that, you know. And I thought to myself, how have I been a part of the church my whole life, I'm 30, at that time, 36 years old, and I never knew that this kind of thing happened, that this sort of thing existed. I was just blown away by that. But I was struck by this Havdalah idea, and I started asking questions about it, like, what exactly, what's going on here? What are we doing here? And Rabbi starts to share that Havdalah is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a ceremony, a way by which we mark time, and we separate Shabbat from the rest of our week. And it's this, almost this, uh, it had this tone of like celebration, but almost this, this grieving as well, that this beautiful, sacred time that's set aside each week is ending. And we go back to the things that we do with our hands and our work and our vocation. So Havdalah, we intentionally mark the end of Shabbat to remind ourselves of the sacredness of time. So Sabbath and rest is like a home base It's this thing that we keep coming back to. It's this rhythm that we keep participating in. And we come to find out the more that we do it, it actually sustains us. It actually shapes us. And it shapes the way we understand our lives and time itself. But there's, uh, I said before, there's a possibility that we we can live life void of the reality or void of the knowledge that time is sacred. If you think about Israel in the Old Testament, they're invited to inhabit the land, to come into this land that God had given them, and then not just to get their mail there, but to actually live in the land, which is, which is to say, to live a certain kind of life in a space. And if you read the prophets and the Psalms, you begin to realize that Israel got their mail at this address, but they, never in, they didn't inhabit the land, which is to live in this relationship with God in such a way that there's communion with the divine and with each other and those around you. That was the point. So there's a possibility of being there, but not actually being there. Anybody, ever, you remember uh, White Men Can't Jump? How do you like that transition? (laughs) There's this point in White Men Can't Jump when she's talking about Jimi Hendrix, and she's like, you can hear Jimi Hendrix, but you can't hear Jimi Hendrix, right? Like, you can listen to it, but you can't, like, hear it deep, deep down inside. There's There's a possibility that you can live your life, but never actually inhabit your life, never actually live it like you're the one living it. There's a possibility of being on top of a mountain, but not actually being on the mountain. Do you track, you're tracking with me? Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's a possibility for you to be somewhere but not actually be present to what's happening in that space. I'm guessing if I were to pull the women in the room who have husbands, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? Maybe vice versa. I just know that it happens to me a lot. <laughs> Where I'm, I'm somewhere but I'm not There. Shabbat is an invitation and a reminder to come back and recognize that we can be here, but we also can be here. Shabbat is an invitation. It's this rhythm that we do each week. We come back to it again and again and again 
reminds us that time is sacred and holy, that our lives are sacred and holy, and that they're intended to be lived in connection with and in communion with God. But we need to be reminded of that. We keep coming back to it. So Shabbat, in one sense, is about time, recognizing the sacred nature of it and being invited back to it. And hopefully, hopefully, as we do this, as you practice this discipline, you become more able to be present more often. You become more able to recognize that the very life that you live, the people that you see across the table from you, the time that you inhabit is actually sacred and drenched with God's presence, available to you in every moment. Instead of this thing that we just come back to, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's that thing again. Okay, check. No, hopefully we become more able as we do this. That's the whole point of disciplines. Habits. They become ingrained in us. That's the power of liturgy. So that's one idea. The second idea is this, Eucharist. Um, Have you ever been at a point in your life where somebody has responded to you, that's just the way it works? So maybe you like, you you reaped what you, or you're sowing what you reaped, you know? No, 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 no. You're reaping what you've sown, right? You're doing something and and you're, you're, you're essentially reaping what you sowed. And somebody says to you, well, that's just kind of the way it works. You reap what you sow. Or maybe uh, you've been in love and you had your heart broken and somebody said to you, sorry, but that's just kind of the way love works sometimes. If you put yourself out there in love, you have the potential and the possibility of having your heart broken. That's just the way it works. Or maybe, maybe uh, somebody else got something that you deserved and you're like, that's not fair. And your mother said to you, who said life was fair? That's just the way it works. Sometimes people get what they don't deserve. And sometimes you don't get what you do deserve. That's just the way it works. You ever been in that situation where somebody said, it's just the way it works? There's this Greek word, and you probably know it, though you may not know that you know it. And uh, it is actually at the center of our faith, and it's called Eucharist. Uh, Eucharistio. It's this table where there's bread and there's wine or juice, depending on whether or not You grew up in a Baptist church. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, It comes from two words, Greek. You means good, and charis means grace or gift. So this thing at the center of the Christian faith, at the center of our spiritual understanding, when Jesus had given thanks, it says in the Gospels, when Jesus had Eucharistia, when he had given thanks, This thing that stands at the center of our tradition as Jesus' followers, where Jesus breaks bread and pours out wine, is actually called the good gift. Because this is how it works. The body is broken and the blood is poured out. So when we celebrate Eucharist, when we come to the table, when we celebrate communion, we're celebrating the good gift of God in Jesus' body being broken and his blood being poured out. Because this is the way it works. In order for somebody else to receive somebody else has to give. In order for you to be blessed, somebody has to sacrifice. It's just the way it works. Think about the best meal you've ever had. I remember this, the, our first anniversary, Laura and I's first anniversary was in Breckenridge, Colorado. I remember the shirt that she was wearing, which I shall not describe to you. Uh, I remember the meal that we ate together. Uh, it, it was just incredible. It was like a, fl- a filet mignon with artichoke hearts, and it was just incredible. It was amazing. If I could have it again and again and again, I would. Think about the best meal you've ever had and the joy or the delight, the beauty, what you experienced from that, the gift you were given in that. Somebody had to make that meal. Somebody cooked it. 
and somebody had to serve the meal that somebody else cooked. And somebody had to clean the dishes that somebody else served the meal and that somebody else cooked for you. And somebody actually had to make the dishes that somebody else served the meal that they had to wash to give to you so that you could enjoy it. Somebody actually had to plant that food or grow that food. Somebody had to prepare that food. They brought it, they harvested it, they shipped it, they unpacked it, they prepped it. It all happened so that you could receive a gift. Because that's the way it works. When somebody receives a gift, somebody else has to give. Think about the best song you've ever heard. You know, like music sometimes, it just has this capacity to make your soul soar or, or it just does something in you. Um, I, I've been, I was fortunate enough to listen to this new track of this young artist that you may or may not know. And uh, he usually stands behind me. And I was listening to it. He, he, he showed it to me or he played it for me the other day in this room. And I was like, man, it's like, Ah, just, I told her, I said, I want to like drive it, you know, down a highway at 70 miles an hour with my windows rolled down. It just makes you want to groove. I loved it. It just did something. So be on the lookout for this release, friends. It's going to be good. At least that song, I know. <laughs> but music, it does something to you, right? You, you've had one of those moments where it's just transcendent. And it's a gift. Somebody sat down at a desk and like wrote that thing out and i've heard songwriters talk about you know as much as they they understand it's like a it's like labor sometimes you just wrestle these things to the ground somebody had to write that song somebody had to record that song on on a booth you know like faders and dials somebody had to run all the mic lines somebody had to put the drum kit up somebody had to build the studio then they had to master it then they had to eq it they had to distribute it they had to print the cds but who buys cds anymore right they printed it on vinyl because that's cool man Somebody had to do all those things in order for you to have that one moment, that one gift, in order, because that's the way it works when you receive somebody else gave. Think about a mentor, somebody who was a part of your life, who showed up at just the right time, and they offered words of wisdom and counsel, or maybe they prayed with you through a job loss, or maybe they helped you find a job, or maybe they showed up when you were a mess and they helped put you back together, which means that they weren't with somebody else maybe their spouse, maybe their kids. In order for you to be blessed, somebody else had to sacrifice because that's just the way it works. Now there is this great word, this great idea in the Jewish tradition called tikkun olam. Has anybody ever heard of this before? Tikkun olam? It's called the repairing of the world. The assumption of the Christian life and story is a story that assumes that we are invited by God to participate in the restoration of all things. That God, in Jesus, dies on a cross, his body is broken, his blood is poured out for the healing of the world. Because that's just the way it works. In order for someone to be blessed, somebody else has to give. So God gives this great gift, this good gift, and the body is broken and the blood is poured out and you and I then are invited into it. You and I are invited into this process. Because this is how it works. You can only be broken and poured out so many times. You can only be broken and poured out so many times. That's why Sabbath matters. You and I are invited to become little Eucharist, little good gifts 
because of our breaking and our pouring ourselves out, because that's the way it works. In order for somebody to be blessed, in order for somebody to, be, to receive, somebody else has to give. And so you and I, as we participate in the work of our lives, we are broken and poured out, and we become a good gift for the restoration of the world in partner with God who is restoring and repairing the world in and through Jesus. Our lives become mirrors of Jesus. This is what Jesus says, follow me and become like me. Do what I do. That's the whole idea of sanctification, that we become more and more like Jesus. So you and I, we become these small little Eucharists running around the world, these little good gifts running around the world being broken and poured out for God's work in the world. Now here's the important part that I really want you to hear. I'm going to wrap this up. So often in church, you're told that you are a terrible person, that uh, there's nothing good in you, that your heart is deceitfully wicked and dark, that God is disgusted with your sin, and maybe even you a little bit. I don't mean to diminish the importance of and the gravity and the weight of our brokenness and sin in the world. We have all experienced the havoc that we wreak on the world and in our own lives day in and day out. I don't have to remind you of that. But I also want you to know that you are a good gift. That there is something that God has put in you that God wants to invite to to participate in the repair of the world. You are a good gift. And there is a possibility to do what you do, to live your life in such a way that you become broken and poured out for the sake of God's work in the world and you become a good gift, a Eucharist. If you are a mom in the room, you are a good gift. Don't let anybody ever tell you that your work is not important. As you prepare and nurture and care for and love these small little human beings that will soon be flung into the great wide world, your work is important. And there is a way that you can do your work as a mom that is a Eucharist, a gift, a blessing because you are broken and you are poured out for God's work in the world. If you're a doctor, there is a way that you can do your work where you participate in God's repairing and restoring and and rebuilding the world. There is a way by which you can do your work where you are a good gift. If you file TPS reports for the guy that can't find his stapler, you're a good gift. There is a way you can do your work that it becomes Eucharist. It's a good gift for the world. Now, there's a way that you can do that where you're totally void of that. You're you're not, not even in tune with that. But the invitation of God is to say, you are a good gift. Let me pour you out. Let me break you. Let me use you for the work of God in the world. And this is why Sabbath is so important. Because you can only be broken and poured out so many times before you break, before you have nothing left. Sabbath matters, this rhythm that we come back to where we rest and we receive because we can only do it so often. Despite what you think about yourself and your capacity and your ability and your, 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 what's in you, there is a threshold, there is a limit. And when you 
are broken and poured out and broken and poured out and broken and poured out again and again and again. It's only a matter of time before you fizzle up and die. And you have nothing to give. So, instead of seeing it that way, you're invited to see it totally differently, where you come back to this day, this moment, this time, where you are being poured into and put back together by the good gift of God given in Jesus. Shabbat is an invitation to come back, to be blessed, to be poured into, and to be put back together, to receive Eucharist, the good gift of God in grace. Not because you worked so hard, not because you deserve it, not because you're that good, but because without it, you don't have anything. It's the place we begin from. It's not the place that we end up all tattered and torn and spent. We start here where we receive the good gift of God in rest and in Sabbath so that we can be broken and poured out for the work of God in the world because that's just the way it works. So today, we'll come to this table, which we come to the last Sunday of every month. And this table is so fascinating to me because it's bread and it's juice and it's Eucharist. Somehow, some way, mysteriously, God, there is, there is an interaction that can take place at the table where we come and we receive. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite you. And the beautiful thing about this is if you want God, then come. Some people say, like, you know, only, only, only certain people can take communion at our church. And my thought on this is, if we really think that God's present in the Eucharist, in the divine communion, in this table, why on earth would we not give that to anybody who wants it? So if you would like to come and receive communion, if you need to be poured into and put back together, if you need to bring something to receive something, then come. Because it's for you. Here's how this is going to work today. We're going to sing a song that John Mark and the band is going to teach us. Uh, and for thousands of years, the church has recited the Apostles' Creed. Many of you know this. Uh, and this is uh, essentially the Apostles' Creed put to song. And so uh, we're thinking about when we come to the table uh, as Awaken, we want to sing this together as a way of declaring. Uh, and this came out of hard work and strife and difficulty for the church. They had to figure out who is this Jesus and how do we live this out. And this is what they came up with. So I'll, have, have you, I'll invite you guys to come on up. Um, and if you didn't know, uh, kids at Awaken, we typically uh, offer them honey when we receive communion. And I usually say, may the word of God be like honey on your lips. Uh, so this is all new today. So uh, the kids are going to come up in just a minute. And while this song is playing uh, and you all are singing and, and uh, joining in, they're going to come forward and Jane and I are going to bless them with this gift of honey. And then uh, I'll come back and uh, invite you to receive communion together. And the way we're going to do this is just two center aisles. You'll come on up to the front. There'll be people here. There'll be people here. Gluten-free will be right here. And you'll just peel off and head back to your seats that way, if that works. Um, so let me offer a word of prayer. Uh, these guys will teach us this song. The kids will come up, and then we'll, we'll do this, all right? God, uh, we are grateful for who you are, for the way in which you move, for all that you are, all that you offer for this uh, example of just the way it works, 
that for someone to be blessed, for someone to receive, someone has to give. And so today, God, we recognize that we don't have much to give if it isn't for you. Um, but you have placed in us, you have invested in us worth and love and grace and hope and dreams and talents and skills. And so, God, we want to receive from you the good gift of grace. And as we do, God, would you pour into us and pour, uh, put us back together so that we can say yes to your invitation for the restoration of all things in Christ. Would you stand as we close? May you leave today and know that you have received and been given a good gift of grace in God. May you know that your life is a good gift, invited to be broken and poured out for the work of God in the world. And may you come back to Sabbath to be filled and to be put back together. Amen? Grace and peace. See ya. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.